Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I got a Again, with your, Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. You know, tell your own podcast. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? On this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, I interviewed Isaac Weisop. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you being here. I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Isaac Weisop. He is a legend in the game, folks. For those who don't know, his podcast is called Conspiracy Theories and Unpopular Culture with Isaac Weisop. He's got a really awesome Patreon. He's got a twice as great Rockfin account. And he's got a really, really fantastic website called IlluminatiWatcher.com. So you can go over there, you can join his membership area and get in touch with Isaac and stay up to date with all of the awesome research he's doing. And it is truly awesome. I know I've been inspired by it in a very big way throughout my life ever since podcasting came into the fray for me about six or so years ago uh, and yeah it's been it's been about five years since I've known about Isaac in some degree I mean you know it, it's really been fantastic having the opportunity to talk to him so without further ado support Isaac but first things first Enjoy this interview with Isaac Weisop on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with your host, Mark. How you doing? I'm here. All right. Enjoy. Oh, and by the way, if you like hearing more from me, I got a lot going on on the Patreon. So join us over there at patreon.com slash MFTIC. All right. I just know that it's alarming because all of this occult stuff I've been reading over the years always sort of talks about making contact with these entities from another dimension, like, you know, like Alistair Crowley with Lamb, you know, and, and Jack Parsons trying to bring the uh, Whore of Babylon through, and the list goes on and on. These concepts were taught to other initiates in these like you said, like these elites that were chosen to be members of these these secret societies or mystery schools or whatever. Mm-hmm. And those elites kind of had all this esoteric knowledge until, was it like the Victorian era where Lovatsky and your Manly P. Halls and your Crowleys, so they came around and started publicly talking about it. And that's when, because that was Blavatsky's whole whole was she was trying to bring revelation of the method to the masses. She, she she said, okay, now is the time that, you know, I talked to all these sort of disembodied spirits, and now is the time that all these secrets that we've been keeping to ourselves will be revealed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Today on the show is a legend in the game. You know him from his numerous appearances on Tinfall Hat. 
the Higher Side Chats, and many other awesome podcasts, as well as his own podcast. He is the Illuminati Watcher. Isaac Wiseup, how are you today, my man? Hey, brother. Good, man. How you doing? I'm so happy to be on here finally. I know we went back and forth a bunch, and man, I'm glad we found time to make this work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I got to ask you, does your family think you're crazy like uh, my family thinks I'm crazy? No, here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. I am... I am sort of the, like, I'm the worst truther out there, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not the uh, the guy that gets too passionate about some of these ideas. Like, I, I see them, I talk about them, I study them, I research them. I would say I believe in, I don't know, 60, 70%, 80% of the stuff we all talk about in these circles of conspiracy talk. But I do have a lot of reservations. I do doubt a lot of the stuff. That's always funny because I'm, I'm one of the, every time I hear a truth or talk, like I listen to, I listen to some of these podcasts, you know, Tim full hat, higher side. I listen to several podcasts. And when I hear people talking, my reaction is always very skeptical. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that. Let me look that up. And it's funny because a lot of the times I'll look it up and be like, shit, they're right. Okay. <laughs> so, so like in, in many ways, I, 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 I have a healthy skepticism of the truth or community, but I also, subscribe and endorse them because a lot of the times it's like alex jones right like like i don't like alex jones i think he's funny though and i think he's right a lot of the times like you know people joke about the uh, turning the freaking frogs gay thing that's like dude he was he was right about that you know what i mean like so yeah. i think everyone in this truth community has got a sort of role they can play to help move you know evolve the the masses and i to be genuine and true to myself which is actually difficult because a lot of truthers don't like that I sort of get skeptical of things sometimes. That that I feel like is has carved out my niche in this world where I I don't subscribe to everything and I don't believe in everything, and I think that that, that does a good service for people on the outside of this truther world who don't believe none of this and they think we're all nuts. And, yeah. and I think I'm I feel like I'm the the bridge between the two worlds sometimes. So I, so no, I don't think my family. I don't think my family thinks I'm crazy at all. I actually talk about a lot of this stuff. And they and that means you're a perfect advocate. I mean, that's kind of the intention of the show is like, yeah, my family thinks I'm crazy, but aren't they really the crazy ones? I mean, right, you know, because they're blind to all this stuff. And dude, you're absolutely right. Conspiracy theories and unpopular culture, your show, your podcast is so in the sense of a balanced approach and not going to any extreme, you're nailing it. I mean, that's why I really love your show. When I listen, I'm getting kind of a, a very balanced and educated approach to these topics because when you look on Instagram, you see like, oh, this symbol means this and this symbol means this. And it's all this like kind of overwhelming um, thing you have to parse through like is this extremism is this true you know and you do a, a fantastic job so when did this all start for you when did and was there a single experience a person in your life a book or a movie that kind of pushed you a little further down this path of researching what most don't I had a two-stage red pill I call it back in so like I've always I've always sort of been an anti-conformist in the sense that like, I never understood. I mean, going back as far as I could even remember as a child where I didn't really understand why people liked a lot of the sort of mainstream things or Disney movies. Like I just never was drawn to that. I was always drawn to like these horror movies and these like dark ideas and science fiction and like, which, which isn't like that crazy. Right. But like, and it was always like the real extreme, you know, music, everything. I was always drawn to like these real fringy extremist sort of things. And so I was kind of sort of <laughs> meant to be the sort of into this, into this truth or world in some ways. But what happened was that I was always interested in aliens my whole life. And then, and I was raised in a Christian church, but I didn't like it. You know, I'm a Christian now. I'm an Orthodox Christian, 
not a good one at all. I, I, I have a lot of, just like, just like I criticize or just like I scrutinize and criticize the truth or community. It's the same thing for the Christian faith. Like someday, man, some days you ask me and I'll be like, man, this seems like a bunch of fairy tale bullshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> then other yeah. days I'm like, no, man, God's been beautiful to my life. Like the world's a blessing. Like it just depends on what mood you hit me in. But the, the real thing that turned things over was it was after it was, let me, let me get my story straight. So after 9-11, right? So 9-11 happened. I sort of bought into all the mainstream narrative stuff. Then I, I was in the military at the time and a buddy of mine was reading Bill Cooper, Behold a Pale Horse. And he was telling me about it. I said, all right, let me check into that, man. And I was really intrigued by the Denver airport alien stuff. Really? That's what got me into it. I was like, let me go find this book. And this is back in, you know, 2002. And I found it at a bookstore, bought it read it. It didn't make a lot of sense. I was just like, oh, this is cool. Aliens and stuff. I had to read it a couple of times and I still wasn't like all in. I just thought it was interesting. Then I met a guy who was into Bill Cooper too. Uh, he was a friend of a friend and I, we started rapping about Bill Cooper and he was like, Hey man, I want to, there's this like, there was like this 12 disc DVD burned set. You could buy on eBay of Bill Cooper's lectures. I said, and it was like $200. And me and him went halves on it, you know, and then burned copies. And, and then that, that really started me going down there. Then I, but I was still kind of like, I don't know about all this stuff. And then, then a buddy of my, a different guy, let me borrow David Icke's Freedom Road VHS tape. And I watched that. And that was when I really was like, oh, okay. I think there's something going on here. I started buying David Icke's books. And yeah, I would say like, that's, that's kind of the sort of two stage was Bill Cooper and David Icke. Yeah. What a combo there, man. I yeah, legends, huh? Yeah. I resonate with that a lot because my kind of foray into this is similar, you know, grew up with a Catholic upbringing, didn't really vibe with it and was drawn to the fringe stuff. For me, it was underground rap and like, Groups like Jedi Mind Tricks and Army of the Pharaohs, Dude, they would take. Favorite, that's my favorite group of all time, man. Jedi Mind Tricks. <laughs> yes. They're the best. Yeah. Yes. See, the, and the first you, album, the Cycle Social EP, right? Yes. And so you know yourself, they use Bill Cooper clips and they use David Icke's voice in the end of days the beginning of the end of the days. And that was the first time I heard David Icke speak. And I'm like, who is this guy talking about television, uh, mind controlling people? Cause I'm like, this is what's going on. And it, it opened up this rabbit hole deeper and deeper. And I got the Bill Cooper book. I, now I have a couple of David Icke books. It was a while. I, I really found David Icke through podcasting, but yeah, man, that's a, that's a hell of a, a double dose. Another really potent person in my life, who I know you've mentioned many times through listening to your show is Manly P. Hall, right? And he's someone who I I think is really well known in the occult literary circles, you know, because of his work. It's pretty prolific, covers a lot. But what are your thoughts on Manly P. Hall? Have you looked into his life at all? I mean, he seems like he's kind of a mysterious guy. Seems like he was a Freemason or maybe associated with similar groups. Yeah, he, he was, you know, and he's part of, I've got a lot of stuff on the back burner that I really want to dig deep into. And he is one of those subjects because I've got the secret teachings book. I've never read it cover to cover though, because it's, it's very hard to understand what he's saying, you know, because I'm still learning a lot about the occult. In fact, that's kind of where the last, I would say maybe the last two years have been me really switching gears because the first sort of two thirds of my, you know, conspiracy career since 2011 is when I started everything I have really been about like looking at symbolism and finding symbolism in movies and films. And, you know, it was the real basic stuff like, Oh my God, look, they're covering up the eye. There's the all seeing eye. And, you know, and then what does that mean? You know, that kind of stuff. And then in the last couple of years, I've really like, I, I've, I've, I've committed, I've convinced myself that for sure there are, people employing these occult forces and ideas. I'm sure they're planting them in films and music and, and all that stuff. But I want to understand more about why I want to learn about the history. And I want to know ultimately, is this good or bad? Because I really don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. You know, I know you did. I listened to your tinfoil hat with, uh, didn't you do a Crowley show? Yes, sir. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, that was really good, man. Because Crow Crowley's like Manly P. Hall. Like, there's a lot 
I mean, you could probably spend a whole lifetime researching these people. And Crowley's similar in that, like, I've tried to read through some of his books. It's very difficult to go cover to cover. Lots of like sort of coded language, I think. But yeah, Manly P. Hall, he's a, oh, there you go. This one, I mean, dude, talk about hard to read. And yeah. and similar to, to the David Icke tape you bought, this thing was a hundred bucks and I bought it online and I wasn't sure what I was getting. I knew it was a lot of pages, but I didn't know it was going to be like this massive and like cool. And I mean, I don't want to rehash it. Maybe we'll talk about it off the air, but, but yeah, there's some weird experiences that I've had since owning this book, just the words itself. So I, I feel like Crowley and Manly P Hall, you're absolutely right. They're these people who you can spend numerous, numerous uh, months researching and still not find many answers, but they, they stand as like uh sort of one foot in the old world and one foot in the new world, right? Because yeah. they, they write these like mystical esoteric things that have existed since history and now are available through their books. And now on the internet, it's extremely prolific because people are just so interested in it. Yeah. And they do, you know, Manly P. Hall, from what little bit I know about the guy, obviously he was very knowledgeable on like mysticism and all these sort of occult arts and, the, uh, you know, the foundations of what we call the occult with like, uh, you know, Kabbalah, Rosicrucianism, Neoplatonism, that kind of stuff. But the one thing I do recall is that he was very much into and subscribed to the idea of symbolism being this sort of universal language, universal force, which which is, again, something that, that I'm behind 100%. I don't have like proof of that i just know from i've read enough from these these sort of thought leaders of the occult and carl young i mean even if you look at like edward bernays and propaganda ideas of how they manipulate people's minds there's something to symbolism that works on a subconscious level and they you know and i got banned off of youtube for talking about this stuff and i've always been like you know like i've said a million times before for people that have heard my stuff like I feel like I'm kind of the most rational sort of level-headed nicest sort of truth out there. Like, you know, you got a guy like Mark Dice, he's got a YouTube channel with, I don't know, he's got like 6 million subscribers at this point. And he's always like, Oh, Taylor Swift's a skanky slut. And like, he's like saying these horrific things about these ladies. And I did a video about Taylor Swift, not saying anything like that. Just saying, here's the symbolism here. This is like some goddess stuff, blah, blah, blah. Witchcraft over here nothing about her and her management company got me blocked out of my account. So like, why, why is that? Why is this happening? Mm. And you know, my, my whole, my whole crybaby story has been like getting deplatformed everywhere. And I, I don't understand why I just don't get it. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. It's, you know, it's a badge of honor, Isaac. I think what you're hinting at there is like these people who just go and say it like that with this kind of crass attitude, Nobody's taking them seriously. Uh, legitimate, intelligent people aren't taking them seriously. But a guy like you, who speaks his mind honestly, engages in authentic dialogue, and really parses through these ideas to find true answers, you know, they don't want that, you know? And yeah. I think that's really like, for me, understanding these occult and esoteric terms, the, the battle between what is good and evil is really present always because secret societies, from what I understand, it seems they used to be kind of like Manly P. Hall, like gatekeepers holding this information so that, you know, it wouldn't get destroyed in the burnings of the libraries of Alexandria's, you know, that could potentially happen again, right? That was my kind of naive maybe idea of secret societies, but the more I've learned and engaged, it seems like the model or the infrastructure of the secret society has been co-opted and used by these people in you know, central intelligence, military, the elites. And it's tough because when you have a rational mindset, you don't want to go to an extreme, even though that's what people like. That's what's popular. You know, people online, they want to they want to listen to somebody who's like, yeah, it's them and point the finger sometimes. Yeah, At least that's that, how it yeah. seems. Do you get the same impression? Yeah, for sure. I've had several like TV sort of appearance things come my way, opportunities. And 
what it seems like when you get close to sort of the mainstream media, sort of main channels of entertainment, the one recurring theme is that they want me to put on this sort of archetype of the conspiracy guy where mm -hmm. they're like, okay, we need you to commit to this. And I'll, and I'll be honest, like uh, I've told the story before, but there was a channel that was going to do this thing about weather conspiracies. And I had written an article on my blog about harp controlling the weather. And mm -hmm. in the article, I, you know, say, here's the theory. I don't know if I believe it, but here's what they say. And here's how it interacts with the ionosphere. So like there's some merit of truth in there that maybe it's real. And they were like, okay, we want you to come on the show and you're going to say that it changes the weather. And I kept telling the guy like, look, man, like I'd love to come on this show. Like, trust me, like I'd love to be on TV, but I'm not going to say that. I'll say that maybe this causes this, like, this is the best I'll do. And, and they didn't want that. And that was where the conversation ends is if you, if you're not willing to be the tinfoil archetype sort of guy that, that they want you to look crazy because they, mm. I, I guess the idea is, you know, kind of like how they came up with the term conspiracy theorist from the JFK thing is like, they want people to hear the message from the sort of extreme angles so that people say, Oh, well, that's just like, it almost dismisses itself, you know, mm. like, like, Oh no, that's just some crazy conspiracy talk. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, that's, what's funny is like, I think 20 from 2017 to 2021, even, you know, we've, we've seen this sort of unprecedented increase in interest in conspiracy talk because people aren't dumb people. I mean, people are dumb in some ways, but like you can't fool them all the time. And like, for instance, the, the pizza emails, I don't know. I don't want to use the terms to get you banned anywhere, but those pizza emails that came out and most of us saw them. And we read them and we thought that is really weird language. What are they covering up? Something's being covered up hundred percent. Mm. Like it makes no sense. And then Snopes and these people just, they just tell you, Oh, this is all just conspiracy talk. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, cause, cause th what they were saying was, well, these emails don't, don't equate to the idea of, you know, this pizza parlor with these things happening under in the basement, like, that's all stuff that people came up with. And it was like, okay, I, I could see that. Like maybe the, maybe the conspiracy people ran with that too far, but then what does it mean? Why, why does someone ask these questions to, you know, Podesta and all these people writing these emails? Why mm. does someone ask those questions to say, what did you mean? There's a map and a handkerchief. That doesn't even make sense. No one asks those questions. They just want you to uh, just dismiss it. And, and a lot of people, you know, they're not that dumb. They say, well, what does it mean then? Why aren't they telling us? Why are they trying so hard to make sure we don't understand what's going on here? Yeah. And, you know, it just, it just takes you down the rabbit hole because rational people think there's something going on here and I'm not being told the truth and they know it. Yeah. And they're willing, they're willing to let the truth out a bit if it's in that conclusive sort of way where they, you know, goat you up to look crazy and then make that conclusion so that the association is to an answer and not a question, right? They don't want you to associate with the question itself. They don't want you to ask further questions. They like to corral the questions and give you two sides, right? That Hegelian dialect of me versus we or them versus them, because if they fight, we can offer this third solution uh, that was pre-planned and they're gonna feel like we're the heroes because we solved their problem and they didn't even realize that we orchestrated their problem, right? This is something that Skull and Bones, a group that's not too far from where I've grown up, that's their whole modus operandi. And if you walk around their campus, Yale University, the symbols are everywhere, you know? So my question to you, you know, you're, you're doing so much investigatory work. How much footwork have you done? Have you gone in and looked around and like, and, and found anything on foot at all, Isaac, in the many years you've been doing this? Yeah, there was, there was a really weird... And I still haven't gotten an explanation for it, but if you go to downtown Salt Lake and, and know that like, I haven't done any cool like adventurous trips anywhere to like focus in specifically on that. Uh, I, I probably should maybe go out to, uh, you know, I'm going out to LA, maybe I'll check out Manly P. Hall's, what's he got? The Paranormal Research Society out there. Philosophical Research Philosophical Society. Research, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but in Salt Lake City, there's, if you go downtown, there's several corners where in the sidewalk they've planned they've embedded a flattened white cube mm. that i don't know what it means but if you look around utah 
we've got, I mean, this is a, this is a, again, a, sort of a lifetime of, of research you could do on just this subject, but like the Mormons have a lot of like strange, magical, mystical connections with mm. Joseph Smith, you know, allegedly channeling entities and doing all this black magic stuff and seances. But you see a lot of the symbolism of the bee in Utah, which is goes back to magic. The bee is symbolic for magic. And those white cubes, I've yet to get someone to tell me what they mean. I've, I've even emailed the like Salt Lake City, like city planners or whatever it was. They didn't know. They, they forwarded it to someone else and then it kind of died. So it's really weird. I mean, there I, I've got photos of it. I should put it, I should refresh it on my Instagram. If I remember, I'll do that. But the, uh, in fact, I'll write that down. I'll do that. But yeah, the, the white cubes downtown, I think that means something because in Utah, like they've got all this symbolism that's, it's just off off the rails with the uh, the the LDS stuff and the magic and the Freemasons. I mean, it's all mm. over the place. Yeah, no, absolutely. The Freemasons are we're on the tip of my tongue this whole time because that's from what I understand, that's kind of the root of Mormonism and and all of that came from that. But it is interesting when you look at these newer religions. I mean, I don't know how much of this you've looked into i haven't looked into it too deeply but my hypothesis is that really what we're looking at is like a culture creator class like a class of people maybe they're the elite but their sort of way that they've survived for the past however many thousands of years is by manufacturing the culture through which the rest of us live right because the only way they can parasite off of us as if they have complete control so i kind of gave you like an a b and c thing there in our email and maybe i should read through it but i kind of you know in your opinion do you think that there is an explanation for who the they is because in these circles on these types of podcasts we hear that term they you know obviously the historic illuminati is kind of like a one and done thing, but there are other groups like the Jesuits who have gone by similar names. But do you have like a one group that you're most suspicious of as, as maybe being behind a lot of these things? I, you know, like I said, I'm pretty hard to convince without a doubt on things. But like, if I was to guess, you know, you, if you forced me to tell you who I think would be they, I think that it's very possible there's a bloodline situation going on and the bloodline ties into some kind of either alien, you know, mm. like the watchers coming down in the Bible story kind of thing, or the ideas of like this demon who producing the bloodline of Cain and the bloodline of Cain being the thing to, because to me, it's very strange how, when I started doing this research, like taking it really serious and being like, maybe there's something here. Like, cause, cause I didn't, it was always just for fun. It was always just a silly sort of like, Oh, I like listening to this crazy David Icke guy. He sure is entertaining. And, and, you know, cause he could riff for eight hours, this guy, like connecting all these dots. And, and I don't know that he, you know, is a hundred percent on everything he says, but like, I mean, he's got a, he's got enough of a good argument that like, I believe a lot of what he says. And, I think that the the bloodline thing holds probably the most truth where because it oh yeah what I was going to say is when I started this journey I didn't like how a lot of the truthers I was listening to at the time always had this sort of religious christian angle to the whole thing ironically right I, I didn't like that and i thought god can't we just stick to the topic here and i how naive i was looking back on it i didn't realize how naive that was because after researching for so long i'm like oh that's what it's all about it's all about this sort of spiritual battle or some kind of understanding of the nature of reality that the people who are in this world and are in this sort of realm of conspiracy talk whether that's the truthers on on our side of on our team kind of versus they that, that run the world and set up the culture creation stuff there's a spiritual element to it and I, I i firmly believe that i firmly believe there's there's some limitation our on our senses that when our spirits are in our bodies it sort of filters out a lot of the world around us and they they understand this 
and I don't know the answers to it. I just know that like, I believe in aliens as like interdimensional. Like I believe that um, not extraterrestrial necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in the same way there's like you know i believe in like the idea of like angels and demons like uh, i think there's there's some kind of energy force some kind of thing that goes on beyond this world that we know and i i think they believe it i think it could quite easily go further into they've pulled some of these entities through and made a bloodline out of it that's Mm. that's kind of what i would suspect and and i don't know if each one of these secret societies holds some kind of version of understanding of that, like the Freemasons and the skull and bones or whatever, or, you know, the Rosicrucians, like, but they all do have this sort of strange focus on spirituality. Right. You know? And, and I don't know. I mean, we could talk all day. It's, it's so bizarre. All this stuff, like, like simulation theory is very interesting to me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I, that I fully disagree with that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I no, I, I agree with you. And I think that's something, you know, listeners at Tinfall Hat have heard Sam say over the past year, because he's really been getting into like all conspiracy leads to spirituality. And even like some guests that he's had on Zero say, like, yeah, man, sp- spirituality led me to conspiracy. You know, it really goes both ways because that's the keys. They're hiding who we are, what we're doing here, and why we're here. You know, those are the three questions they don't want us to know. And those are all spiritual implications, right? You know, and what you're saying about this bloodline, it's really interesting. We just had Brad Olson on the show. And one of the things that he mentioned is that his family has some people in it that are RH negative blood. And he says that because of that, they've experienced, you know, certain psychic abilities that most humans don't. And, you know, I asked him, I'm like, well, Brad, you know, <laughs> are you a lizard person? You know, I didn't say it like that, but, you know, I was like, tell me more, man, what's going on here? You're related and you, you've been to every sacred place in the world. Like, come on now, what's going on? And he was like, oh, you know, laughed it off. And, you know, he's a great guy. I'm sure he's not a lizard person, but he said that the amount of people on the planet who have this RH negative blood you know, it's very few and they have trouble having uh, children with people who don't have that same blood type. There's a lot of complications. And it wasn't until some pharmaceutical innovation that they were able to fix this, which to me, considering what we know, Isaac and I know about pharmacopoeia and the real occult roots of pharmacy now that's like, holy, you know, you connect those dots and you're like, okay, so the elite, they know all these occult practices, they've known about herbs and all the magical things that they can do. And then now, you know, these strange blood blooded people, you know, cite pharmaceutical innovation in the early 1900s is the way that they've, you know, fixed their problem. I just think, yeah, the bloodline thing does make the most sense. But what you said about Cain, I haven't really heard much about that. Can you get into that a little bit more, how Cain how fits into the bloodlines? Sure, sure. So if you go to, so I'll give you the example of what I was most recently working on because that's freshest in my mind. If you ever watched In the Mouth of Madness by John Carpenter, he there's a character. He's kind of like the Stephen King guy. He's a, he's a horror fiction writer. And the reason I, because I, I'm completing my second book on aliens right now, it's called Use Your Illusion 2. And it's just basically film analysis is talk, sort of con- supporting the ideas I presented in Use Your Illusion 1. But anyway, in the Mouth of Madness, there's a, a writer named Sutter Kane. And you'll find the name Kane sort of pops up in several places. The other one that's fresh in my mind is Alien. Kane was the guy who, had the the face hugger that implanted the alien that burst out of his chest but like of course Cain could very easily reference the bible story of, of Cain and Abel right which yes. which Cain murdered Abel and caused this curse of the bloodline of Cain and in the in the ideas of the occult they think that death is necessary to create life. They think that that's why a lot of people talk about how it's like a death cult, you know? And, and in some ways I kind of think the virus of 2020 
it's in some ways a alchemical ritual <laughs> of death to create something new, right? Like, yes. Like they 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 spiked the world with fear of like oh everyone's gonna die, and then it was like we got the the great reset coming, building back better, the new normal. Like it's almost like the the symbols were there. I don't I don't know, I don't know how much of that is. Well, you're you're onto something. There's an alchemical saying: "There's no generation without corruption." Yeah, meaning. Oh, that, interesting. Yeah. Meaning that that nothing really, you know, you can't expect things to change for the better if there aren't factors that are bad to provoke the change. Right? The the laws of duality, the seven hermetic laws, and when you mention Cain and Abel, it's like there are so many of these brother stories when you look at ancient cultures right you have Enkidu and at Gilgamesh you have Romulus and Remus Cain and Abel you know you have these stories of like the two brothers yeah, you're right. and 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 what that is it's duality you know it's like the two sides it's almost the same thing with Manly P. Hall and Aleister Crowley like both of them were in the occult one of them much darker than the other most people probably wouldn't imagine Manly P. Hall did like black magic just from reading his books but like with Aleister Crowley you would assume that's the only type of magic he did you know whereas it, in reality they were both probably you know doing similar things they're probably taking a mixed approach to it a middle path like most people do i think it's really the media that that has made people like crowley and manly p hall an extreme whether it's the extreme of like knowing who they are and having this warped idea of them or in manly p hall's case having no clue at all who they are and being shoved into like you know the abyss because I mean, who talks about Manly P. Hall in public other than yeah. us podcasters? You know, when did you ever hear Manly P. Hall in school? Never, you know, but people hear about Crowley from Ozzy Osbourne and all this other stuff, you know, pop culture references. But it is it is interesting, this the theme of duality. And, and we were just talking to Joe Roop on the podcast who has gone through the OTO and and done a lot of these initiatory practices and his his explanation for kind of what you highlighted towards the beginning of our conversation with the symbolism is that in the astral realm, these symbols are so much more than they are here. So for people who are uh, unaware of the way the world is, they see a symbol, it affects them in this subtle way, but they never notice it because they're not conscious of their astral life and their astral body. Have you experienced anything like this? I mean, researching aliens, I'm sure you've run into like abduction experiences, which are very similar to astral kind of experiences. What are your thoughts on that? Because you said they're interdimensional. Do you think aliens are warping our, our dreams and affecting us in that way? Yeah, definitely. I think I think that uh, much like uh, it Joe Roop, that that's exactly what I read in these in these books and stuff about you know the OTO or the Typhonian OTO, which is specifically trying to channel entities from another dimension. And you know, I always reference Peter Lavenda because mm -hmm. that's a guy who knows he knows all about this stuff in and out, and how shocking it was to me to see. He was part of this To the Stars Academy, Tom DeLong alien disclosure thing because I had been following him for years, reading his books and him talking about how he was formulating a lot of my beliefs in aliens as interdimensional beings when he talked about how, you know, Kenneth Grant ties into H.B. Lovecraft, which ties into Aleister Crowley. The Invocation of Lam, which was Crowley, you know, Crowley drew it in, I think, 1901 something it was really early in the 1900s like 1918 yeah yeah and he and he it looks just like a gray alien you know and that's 20 plus years before roswell before any of these kind of science fiction novels that were really popular in 40s and 50s yeah definitely man there's 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 something there's something to that and like the oto and like these these occult groups, they have a sort of understanding of this. Like you alluded to earlier, the CIA and stuff, they understood this too. Like Project Stargate was doing this exact kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and not to mention like Hal Putoff and Yuri, was it Yuri Geller? I don't know. These, yep. these folks are still connected in with this To the Stars Academy and this new <laughs> new alien disclosure stuff. And like, I, to me, it's like, it's so obvious that, I, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why they're all of a sudden saying, trying to get everyone to believe now that UFOs are real. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you the answer to that. I, I don't know. I just know that it's alarming because all of this occult stuff I've been reading over the years always sort of talks about making contact with these entities from another dimension. Like, you know, like Alistair Crowley with Lamb, you know, and, and Jack Parsons trying to bring the uh, Whore of Babylon through and the list goes on and on because they were using that Amalantra working that Crowley was using to make contact. And and Marjorie Cameron quite literally could have been that Whore of Babylon that he yeah. summoned, you know, because look what happened to him after he messed around with her. L. Ron Hubbard came and stole his chick and then Jack Parsons blows himself up in his laboratory. Like that's one hell of a way to end your life. Yeah. Yeah. That, that whole, you know, Marjorie Cameron was a fascinating, there's a book I read by, uh, uh, it's called Wormwood Star. I think it was Spencer Kant as the author. Anyways, fascinating read. I did three episodes on it like two, three years ago, just going through the whole book because like she had these connections with, you know, the, again, the intelligence agencies, like it's so bizarre how they're all, you know, it's like, it's like, it's almost like a full circle thing. You know what I mean? Like it's really mm. weird how it goes from like, the, the CIA stuff to the occult stuff, like they're mm. all connected. The, the, uh, and people have written books about that kind of idea. Like I believe his name is Richard Spence wrote the book about Crowley. Being, secret uh, agent 666. Yeah. 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 And you know, Jay Dyer talks about it pretty often. There, there's something there. And the fact that like the CIA studies all this like remote viewing and crap like that proves that like they know it's there, but like they, for some reason the public can't know about it. And I think it's because, specifically in america they do a pretty good job of keeping us distracted and entertained and sort of on the hamster wheel to to you know to keep the uh, corporate oligarchy their pockets lined and they can kind of it would be it would be not beneficial to them if we understood that there's a lot more to this this life and this world and uh, spirituality is sort of a problem for them i think yes sort of suppress it Yes. And, and you look at history with like the Eleusian mystery schools where it was almost like a college style, like come learn the secrets of being human. And over time that like warped where the elite were the only ones who had access to it. And the elite were the only ones who had access to the true spirituality and the true knowledge. And then you saw these new religions develop where it was like no goddess, just God, you know, and, and patriarchy. And, and not that I'm like some social justice warrior who gives a shit. Like, I think, you know, things are kind of cool, but anyways, not to get too sidetracked well, you there. You're a white male, you're a white <laughs> cisgender male. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> exactly. So I think people know, our position right off the bat but it's yeah it's the case is is in my opinion that this information has been insulated to protect it and then at some point in history that was reversed where it was used against us rather than you know preserved to kind of help people because from my understanding mainly p hall writes about these secret societies like you know if you were an upstanding person in the community and you were doing things that were like, you know, noteworthy, you'd get a tap on the shoulder, like, Hey, it's time for you to come learn this stuff. You know, you're ready. So that somewhere along the line became a privilege. And like everything else in our culture, it gets stratified into this class system, you know, and, and the people in these Freemason groups and whatnot, they get a little smidgen of what it means to be, you know, in the occult. But truly, I think the the real magic occult working is done by these like one percent people that we don't know about, you know, the the black pope type figures who you know, only show themselves to the famous, famous elites that we see publicly. Like they see them, they know who those people are, but we don't, you know, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the barrier. And I wonder yeah. what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, man. And and that's like the big, the big idea here is if you read, I just finished Yuval Harari's book called Sapiens and it blew my mind. Basically, you know, the history and evolution of mankind, there was you know, the agricultural revolution kind of shifted things where we used to be like these hunter gatherer tribal communities. We had one way of sort of living and then agricultural revolution sort of came around. And that's when they first found the ideas of capitalism and the ideas that like for one person to sort of get ahead of the rest, you kind of have to exploit someone else. 
mm-hmm. which which in some ways that works in other ways not so much but like that's how you got the first sort of king and the first bloodlines to say like oh i'm i'm better than you so i should live a better life than you and and it sort of for for them to convince the rest of the people that that was the case there was a sort of mind either some kind of mind control some kind of manipulation or some kind of proof magic i don't know that the other people would subscribe to that idea and if you take the, all of, if you take that sort of idea of how that happened and then you look at the history of alchemy the history of alchemy they say that in ancient egypt when the gods were amongst us during like Zeptepi, some time frame they talk about these gods being with us, that Thoth gave gave us the secrets of alchemy and how to, you know, do magic and stuff like that. And those secrets were eventually lost. There's ideas that he wrote them down on these emerald tablets that was in the library of Alexandria and people would travel from all over to go read these things. And then those got lost and destroyed. And then it was only through like oral tradition that these concepts were taught to other initiates in these, like you said, like these elites that were chosen to be members of these, these secret societies or mystery schools or whatever. Mm-hmm. And those elites kind of had all this esoteric knowledge until was it like the Victorian era where Blavatsky and your Manly P. Halls and your Crowley's till they came around and started publicly talking about it. And that's when, cause that was Blavatsky's whole, whole steez was she was trying to bring revelation of the method to the masses. She, she, she said, okay, now is the time that, you know, I talked to all these sort of disembodied spirits and now is the time that all these secrets that we've been keeping to ourselves will be revealed to all and, this will bring about the perfected utopia or the evolution of man into something greater. And then that's where, that's where we've been at for the last hundred years is supposedly the revelation method where we're all starting to get exposure to these ideas Mm. so that we can. And again, like this goes into like deeper, deeper, bigger questions of like, well, if, if, they're conditioning us to understand these ancient secrets of the occult that were only given to those in these secret societies that were the elites. Like, isn't that a good thing? Like, shouldn't we all want to know these things? And I don't know, again, don't know the answer to that. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, or if it's to get the masses to get behind the idea of evolving our species into the transhumanistic movement, which I also subscribe to is like, that's what they're going to do is get us into that digital matrix, you know, uploading our minds into digital consciousness. But for us to do that, we have to move past the ideas of spirituality and what we think happens, you know, from, from the Christian viewpoint, it's like, oh, well, I'm supposed to die and go to heaven to be with God. But if you subscribe to that, then you don't want to make, be in the digital matrix necessarily. So I, I don't know what to make of all of it. It's all very like, mind bending stuff to try to put your head around to figure out why this is happening, but for sure it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's so much to go on. When you mentioned Thoth, I thought to myself, like, I don't know if you've looked into the bicameral mind and and the thoughts on like how human beings used to kind of uh, hear their inner voice as like this outside thing. Like they were just kind of instinctual running on kind of that baseline consciousness that most animals have where it's instincts. And then when there was certain situations where they would need to like act, there would be a voice that would come over them and they would, you know, have a thought, right? And you say the word thoth, thought, thoth, thought, you know, they just sound so similar. And it's like, yeah, thoth came, he gave all these people the ability to do magic. It's like, well, thinking is kind of magical when you think something through you create a change in your mind that affects change in the world around you so and then as we like push that forward into history with folks like madame blavatsky who are essentially channeling ascended masters like joal cool and kathumi and thoth himself you know these ancient consciousness figures from the past that are you know, that to me 
although it is suspicious, like, oh, we have to trust that, you know, she's channeling Kathumi, you know, this great, amazing dude just picked her, right? I do resonate with it really deeply in a profound way, even though I, I myself haven't channeled in that way. I think there's some truth to it. And it seems to me like the more we've become industrialized, the, the more we've lost touch with those natural spiritual awarenesses that we used to have and we used to be able to use to get in contact with that. And, and yeah, pushing us into this digital matrix is chemicalizing, industrializing, plasticizing us even further. And I think, yeah, it's going to take a spiritual battle and people standing up like yourself and I, whether that's using our, our voices and, and our minds to research this stuff, or whether it's using our hearts and our hands to go out in the community and, and really like have a, a effect on people. Because I think podcasting only gets us so far, you know, we gotta, we gotta take it to the streets, you know? And I think Isaac, you're doing that. You're writing books. That's putting it in the streets. People who wouldn't have found a podcast will find your book and possibly change their life forever, just like William Cooper's book and David Icke's work changed your life, you know, and, and changed mine. So yeah, yeah kudos man. to you, man. I think that there are so many questions. There are so uh, many answers that need to be found, but yeah, this is just the tip of the iceberg, man. I'd love to have you back on for a part two, maybe in the next few weeks. Cause I know you got to go in the next five or so minutes, but yeah, man, final thoughts. You want to leave our audience with anything uh, where they can find you. Obviously you have a bunch of books they can buy. Uh, they can go to illuminatiwatcher.com. They can check out unpopular conspiracy theories and unpopular culture. Right. And what else? Yeah, I've got, I've got, I don't even know, like eight or nine books on Amazon and Audible. I've, I've narrated almost all of them myself. People can get on there. I, if people are unsure of where to start, I would advise The Dark Path was the book I wrote that sort of tried to come up with all these ideas and put them together in a way that sort of, I, I tried to model it after David Icke's books and the idea that he finds a way to sort of find all these different strange things and try to connect them together and sort of give one take on this is what's going on and that's the, the dark path is probably my most well-received book again on amazon audible i can sell i got a, a gumroad store gumroad.com backslash isaac w where i signed signed paperbacks i wrote aliens ufos and the occult usual illusion one last year which is out everywhere a usual illusion two is like 95 percent done i will have that that thing out i'm trying to beat the ufo report disclosure report that drops june 25th yeah trying to beat that so that's the plan is to have that thing out in june if i can if not it'll be july it just depends how long it takes the 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 proofs to come back and all this kind of crap that i gotta do very um, cool but yeah people can follow me on instagram at isaac weishop or go to illuminatiwatcher.com i've got a deal four books for five bucks <laughs> you can get you can get a, they'll see it when they go there there's a link on the side there yeah very yeah cool. man thanks for having me on. i'll definitely come back on yeah, awesome. There's a lot more we can talk about for sure. Awesome. Well, folks, thanks for listening to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Go support Isaac everywhere that he just mentioned and have a great day. Mark is bananas. Crazy. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. I'm Don't listen crazy to him. for feeling so lonely. Follow us on patreon.com slash mftic. That's patreon.com slash mftic. <laughs> <laughs>